Welcome to the Full Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Venegas. This is a conversation about real life with each other, full life with God, and kingdom life on earth. We are so excited to have seedbed author and executive director of the New Room Conference, Dr. David Thomas. And I'm joined by Asbury Pastor of Missions, Krissa Letson. But unfortunately, Garrett Howell was not able to join us this time, and he was greatly missed. Uh, We are in a teaching series called The Road of Awakening, based on the Gospel of Luke. And today we will hear from David and his passion for awakening, his heart for prayer. And we'll go deeper into David's message from this past Sunday on our mobile worship experience about how Jesus healed a demon-possessed boy in Luke chapter 9. Here's that conversation. David Thomas, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. We are so honored to have you. Um, thank you for the time that you gave us today. It's a pleasure, Nathan. Such a pleasure. Both you and Chris, I really love the, the opportunity to talk with you. We are really grateful. I know that I've been to probably four or five new room conferences, and mm. I think I think we had one that was local to the Huntsville area at uh, Cove Church, and I got to sit in a room and pray with you before the event started. And so it's it's good to see you again, and it's good to have you here with us. And again, we are really honored. Yeah, thank you. David, you know, I, I really just wanted to give you the floor and just hear your heart about awakening and new room and seedbed. Uh, first of all, just thank you for your leadership uh-huh. in all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank you for helping the church today to see an awakening happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so first of all, um, we like to talk about what's real yeah. in our lives yeah. on this podcast. Uh, so in other words, um, you know, the day-to-day kind of stuff, just tell mm-hmm. us who David Thomas is, you know, tell us about your family and, and just what real life looks like these days for you. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah, it's just a real delight to chat with you all today and just love your church, love Asbury Church. And um, can't believe this is my first time to actually have been with you. I know. Uh, because I've long admired you and and uh, tracked along with all that you all are doing I have the highest regard for Tommy and for your whole team. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's just great to make a move into more relationship together. Absolutely. And uh, yes, I'm married to Karen, 27 years, love of my life. Uh, we've lived here in Lexington for 25 of those years. And um, we were married and a year and a half later moved here where I was the pastor of a church uh, for 12 years before um, entering into a PhD program where I was studying awakening movements and particularly the patterns of prayer that have preceded the great awakenings in American history. And I did that for six years and then I sort of was cloistered away in an office just studying and reading and working for those years. And the first place I ever kind of talked about what I had learned was the New Room Conference in 2015. And it was a big deal for me, honestly, because um, I remember feeling nervous about it. 
I thought, you know, I've never told anybody about this. And I'm thinking, <laughs> what if it comes across strange or doesn't make sense? I've never, you know, I'm kind of, I'm just going to guinea pig this out here today, you know. And um, it was this idea of travailing prayer. And uh, there was a, a real resonance there and a real Im- connection and, and embrace right off the bat. Hmm. So with that, I... Uh, entered into the work of New Room, Seedbed in New Room, immediately following that 2015 conference and have been so honored and and happy to be a part of that ever since. And so um, my wife, Karen, is also in ministry. She was in seminary just uh, at Asbury while I was at Candler in Atlanta uh, just the years after. I met her while she was a seminary student. And so for a few years, we worked on staff together here in Lexington before we uh, had our children. So we have three kids, Luke, who's 22, JP, who's 20. Uh, they're both students at Baylor University in Waco, Texas. And Mary Esther is 18 and a high school senior. Uh, just this past weekend, Luke got engaged. Oh, oh awesome. Such a special time. Yeah, we loved it. We went down, you know. Back in, in in our day, you just proposed and that was it. But now it's sort of a party. It's an event. Photographer. So they invited us down and all the family gathered in and they had some friends and big surprise for his fiance now. But um, we loved being with them. We, we, we were just so thrilled with, with her. Her name is Adelaide. And we're delighted that she is going to be part of our family and Luca part of hers and that they're creating a family. So, um, that's awesome. Yes. Yeah. So that's a snapshot of our, of our family, but yeah, we we love Lexington and love, uh, having raised our family here. Well, congratulations. That is so great. Thank you. I really love your definition of awakening, which says deep wholeness in people, renewal in the church, the evangelization of a generation and the transformation of a society. Uh, And then you go on to say, awakening is the love of God and his desire to restore all that he has created, our great need and God's great heart and compassion for us. Uh, Talk a little bit about your role at Seedbed, your leadership with Mm -hmm. uh, the New Room Conference as executive director, and just maybe give us the 30,000-foot view of... um, what you guys have celebrated yeah. over the years and maybe even some of your challenges. So good. Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Yeah. Um, Seedbed was an initiative of Asbury Theological Seminary, something that I have always been very grateful for. Asbury recognized, you know, that if we just continue to um, offer academic programs in the ways that we have, that we'll just continue to get the same results that we, we have today. And there was this sort of this recognition that we, that the seminary was the stewards of so much important thinking and praying and that uh, we wanted to sort of distribute it, broadcast it, cast it out into. And so this idea, you know, um, the word seminary comes from the Latin seminarium, which is transliterated literally seedbed. And it's a demonstration plot. It's a sowing, and it's a, a it's a place to see uh, the 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 fruit bearing of God. And so, seedbed came up as a, an initiative of the seminary 
to um, offer opportunity to share these voices in online, print-on-demand, creative means. Uh, you know, one of the earliest and continues to be one of the most important resources we offer is the Seven Minute uh-huh. Seminary, which is something like nine hundred little uh, videos uh, around just all kinds of questions. And uh, so people started taking advantage of that and and uh, using those resources. And we had this response of like, okay. Um, who are you? And we really would like to join you. We'd like to meet you. And, you know, how do you join a little publishing venture? Unless you write it, write for it. We thought, so, well, why don't we just have a meeting? Let's just have a gathering. Anybody out there? Come on. <laughs> yeah. And so in 2014, we just issued an invitation. Anybody wants to come, we'll, we're going to meet. And that meeting was called the New Room Conference. So now, cool. as you all probably know, New Room comes from the name of the very first building built in Bristol, England by John Wesley, inside of the first year of his own new birth. George Whitfield was preaching in the Southwest. Whitfield had grown up in Gloucester, England, which is just 40 miles away. So the Southwest was familiar to, to him. And, um, and there was tremendous response, overwhelming response to his preaching. So he called his college friend, John Wesley, and said, you must come and help me. <laughs> and Wesley was new to uh, the new birth, and he was just so, you know, um, passionate. He was 35 years old, single man, ready to go. So he went and uh, his brother Charles soon followed him. Charles stayed in Bristol the rest of his life and raised his family there. His children are all, they're all buried there. But uh, John Wesley came and then Whitfield left and came to the colony. So there was, there was Wesley carrying on in it. And uh, so he built a house to kind of... Um, sort of anchor the work that w- what had begun, and he called it the New Room. And, you know, there are a lot of things in Wesleyan s- circles uh, in all our denominations called Epworth and Aldersgate and these sorts of things, but the, the New Room has not found much airplay. And so we thought New Room is a word that, that deserves to, because that is, that's really where it was all beginning. And the, the revival and awakening of 18th century England, which is honestly, I, I really believe humbly, is the best expression of Christianity since the time of the mm. apostles. I, I learned constantly from that era. That was an era of Christianity at its best. And we, we just turned to it. So we took the name New Room from as an or, a gesture toward those origins, but the words really mean so much more to us. And they are an acknowledgement that we are desperate for God to mm. do something new. That's right. In our day. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to give him the room in our lives to do it. Yeah. So new room. Yeah, that's good. And uh, from the start, we just said that seedbed and new room exist to gather, connect, and resource and commission the people of God to sow for a great awakening. You know, awakening is a word that, you know, it's an old word, historical word, we but it's finding its place back in us so much because awakening is just simply a way to frame our, 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 our cultural moment with honesty mm-hmm. is that the culture is in a free fall. Mm-hmm. It is unraveling. Yeah. I know it's a dire doomy kind of, sp- but it's just anything less than naming that is intellectually dishonest. Mm-hmm. And we just admit that. And the church is extremely weak to face that challenge. 
You know, Leonard Ravenhill said there's nothing worse than a sick church in a dying world. Wow. And we, we are never going to whiteboard our way. We're never going to program ourselves back into New Testament vitality. That's if right. we could have done that, we would have done that by now. Yeah. We are the best resource to Christians who've ever lived. We have more books, more resources, more media, more camps, more Christian colleges and universities, more incredible facilities, more budgets, more everything than any Christians who've ever had anywhere in any time. And look where we find ourselves. So we just have to face what's it. New Room is a community of honesty. You know, Duncan Campbell in the Hebridean revival used to pray, oh God, for a baptism of honesty that we mm. would get seized by the raw facts mm -hmm. to the point that they bend our knees. And so awakening, honestly, if I'm not involved in awakening work, I just wither up and collapse in despair. Wow. Because church isn't going to do it as it is now, right now. Awakening is just this weird. It's time to it, it, the time has come to frame our reality mm. in this way that we are desperate for something from the hand of God, yeah. something yeah. from God. We have to have something from the hand of God. And we know God has done it before. And if he's done it before, he can do it again. And if That's he can right. do it again, he can do it in Madison, Alabama. Amen. And if he can do it in Madison, Alabama, he can do it in my family and in my very heart. Mm. That's right. Amen. And we yeah. just, we lean upon that. We cling to that desperate re, uh, reality. And, um, and but also, it, you know, awakening really is what you, you were naming there, Nathan, that and we're not particular about words, you know, but we think of revival more as uh, a tremendous um, uh, move of God to uh, just to reanimate the church in a location and to bring uh, fresh fire and, and energy and and that those can sometimes come and make such a difference, but they often end. And that's okay, but that is what they do. But when we use the word awakening, we're looking for a protracted, multi-generational, tectonic shift. We just, we really don't need a numerical uptick. Yeah. Mm. We, we don't need just a big surge. We're needing something so much more. And so awakening, and this is what it was. This is our heritage as Wesleyan Christians. We are the we are the descendants of an awakening. Eight, uh, the, England was never the same. We're still feeling the reverberations mm. three hundred years later of what happened in eighteenth century England. In many ways, the fact that we still carry this heart, this longing, it's this it is this deep sap in the roots. You know, we talk often about that messianic image from Isaiah eleven that a shoot from the stump of Jesse will come up. This is the way Jesus is anticipated. And we often think about that, that, you know, the church as it is today is a stump oh. compared to the great oak of righteousness that it has been hmm. and that Jesus died to make it make possible. And we're, we're, we're nothing close. We're not, we don't, we don't have shade for the world. We don't bear great fruit for the world. Wow. We're a stump. 
But you know, stumps inside of a stump is a very, is very fertile soil, composted. <laughs> And the, the in yeah. beneath all that is yeah. this root system still carrying that sap of yeah. life. And what we're after are those new shoots of life yeah. to come up out of that stump to one day be a great oak of righteousness again. So that looks like deep wholeness in people, renewal of the church, evangelization of a generation, and the transformation of society. Mm-hmm. That's That's what we're praying for. That's what we're trying to prepare for. I believe that it's likely... I will only get I'll only get to be a part of the travailing season. Mm-hmm. I hope my kids may see the actual beginnings of this awakening and that my grandchildren will live under the blessing of it. Wow. But we're just we're we're willing and ready to do the part. This is my watch, uh, my moment, and the time has come. I don't need to see it, but I have to pursue it. Wow. I love what you said about honesty. And I think here at Asbury, we are sensing a deepening. And, you know, our Activate Missions Gathering, which we just experienced this last weekend. So the the title Activate actually came out of uh, Krissa and Garrett writing this teaching series that we've been in, The Road of Awakening. Oh, wow. And which we're right in the middle of. And of course, you taught on uh, this last Sunday. Uh, and we'll get into it in a little bit. Yeah. And so, so right toward the end of December is when we finally decided to actually do this podcast uh, because we really wanted to just go deeper Good. talking about awakening. Yeah. Um, which is the series we started in January, The Road of Awakening. Because I think there's such a timely message yeah. throughout all of that that none of us can really bring without the Holy Spirit, yeah. obviously. But when you said the word honesty, and honesty, the verse James 4, 8 came to mind. Uh, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Or some translations say draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Uh, it goes on to say, wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Come draw near to God. And I think there's a drawing near that yes. we're seeing in our people here at Asbury. I mean, there's a deepening in worship. There's a deepening mm. in prayer. There's a hunger. I mean, it mm-hmm. doesn't take a whole lot to look around and see, you know, culture unraveling. And without God, I mean, my goodness, who else do we have to call out to? Yes. And so I've sensed a drawing near to God so good. Uh, in myself and in, in people. Mm, so encouraging. I appreciate that, that idea or that observation you're making, Nathan, that, that there's something deepening at Asbury. Mm-hmm. And you see, this is the thing we're after. We're after a depth awakening. Yeah. We don't want something just a mile wide and an inch deep. Mm-hmm. The church is just yeah. so compromised. What we want is something, if it's only an inch wide, we want it to be a mile deep, hot mm-hmm. and deep. This was this is our legacy. You know, Wesley was all the time pruning the societies. One of the things that happens in awakening is that we make no room for mediocrity. We make no room for the lukewarm. We just don't accommodate it. 
There's just no room for it. There, the times are too urgent. Yeah. And so depth, things are going deeper and there's hunger. That, uh, you know, that observation that our, that our people are getting thirsty. New Room is a fellowship of thirsty Christians, really nothing more, nothing less. Yeah. We're just those who, who are just, I, I've always felt like that whenever that begins to stir, when people start to get discontented, like there has to be more. There really has to be. I've got to have more but for my family. I've got to, that is really holy. That frustration and dissatisfaction is something to steward, to see, oh my goodness, that's, that is a move of God. That's the primal work of awakening. When, when we get stirred and burdened and it moves us to prayer, that is actually nothing about awakening happens until that happens. Hmm. When that has happened, it's already begun. Yeah. That's the very, and that's like the, the, the initial move. So that is so encouraging to hear those signs happening at, at Asbury. You know, David, something else you mentioned about the multi-generational aspect of what yeah. happens. Um, I would say we are seeing that as well. Uh, we see that in, in different pockets throughout different ministries. We see that uh, at our Harvest campus. Uh, we see that at our Madison campus. And that is something that is so beautiful uh, to see just the in one particular meeting I was in, a, a prayer meeting, there was a, a woman who had been a part of our prayer ministry who was, um, she's in her 80s, late 70s or 80s, and she was speaking blessing over, uh, at the time, a, a high school senior. And then they just prayed blessing over each other's generation. I have seen this happen in countless settings, and it is so beautiful to see. And when the world and our culture has so much to say about dividing us into different compartments and and not being able to be integrated in the really the beautiful picture that God desires for his church. I mean, just to see that happen and see those little glimpses, it is the sweetest, holiest ground because you know that God is up to something and he's doing something and it is a, a glimpse of heaven. It is a glimpse of what uh, that will look like. And mm. I just appreciated you mentioning the multi-generational aspect of awakening, awakening, because we are seeing that in pockets, and that's very encouraging to me. Yes. Wow, Chris, I'm just so encouraged to hear that. That is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. That that picture of that 80 year old blessing that high school senior. You know, and I, yeah. I really, I, I just always come back to that Malachi four, the final words of the Old Testament, the final prophecy before John the Baptist was that the hearts of the fathers would be turned to the sons, hearts of the mm-hmm. parents turned to the children, and hearts of the children to the parents. And um, that that I really do believe is both the, a condition of and an expression of awakening. This is what it looks like. And it, we're just seeing this, just as you're describing it, more and more, the young, this generation, Gen Z, is is so hungry for spiritual parenting spirit yes. men and women who will not just mentor them and coach them and read a book together and give tell them how to do things better but really care for their hearts and listen to them and share life with them and walk with them and pray for them and we who are elders we so desperately want the 
penetrating, um, clear-eyed, idealistic passion of the young. You know, if you're still chasing Jesus today and you're a college student or a recent grad or in high school and you're still walking with Jesus, there is a different quality about you. There is a caliber of leader and and of commitment in in young Christians today that really just simply bears the mark of the New Testament because they they've come of age in so much hostility, so much challenge, and they carry something so yeah. much more passionately and deeply than I think my generation did at our when I when we were their age. So, true. so we need them. They have so much to say to us. We need each other. Yes. And the fact that you all are seeing that in your church is really very encouraging. Well, you know, I I so much appreciate the leadership that you've given in in the realm of awakening for all all generations. And I love what you said about the next generation. There's some there's a different quality about the next generation. You know, um, we've seen that firsthand uh, with our interns and our residents that, you know, that are here now. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's interesting. You said we don't need something that's a mile wide Mm -hmm. and an inch deep. We don't need something lukewarm. We need to go deep. Yeah. And it took me to the phrase that Jesus used. And when I read this, I read it as if he's saying it to the disciples. Um, So in the chapter of Luke, uh, chapter 9, that you spoke on at our Activate conference this last weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, the man who's asking Jesus to heal his son, who is convulsing, he's demon-possessed. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I asked your disciples to do it, and they could not. And then you see Jesus basically turn to, and I kind of see it in my mind, he just turns to the disciples and he, he says, you unbelieving, perverse generation, as if, you know, as if he's completely lost patience with them in that moment. Like, I gave you the power to do this. Yeah. And it, and because at the beginning of the chapter, you know, he sends them out, you know, and he, he gives them the power to cast out demons to heal. And he says, if they don't welcome you, shake the dust off your feet, you know. Yeah. And then you progress through the chapter, and it, which is action-packed. And, uh, you know, right before this scene where the man's asking him to heal his son, uh, he's, on, he's on the Mount of Transfiguration talking to Moses and, and Elijah. Uh, and then he gets here, and this happens, and it's like he's, he's, he's just fed up, you know? He, he's like, you guys need to go deep. Yeah. You know, where are you? <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, he calls for the boy and, and then he heals him. Um, is that what you get from that? Mm, Yeah. Thank you, Nathan. Exactly. No, I do. I think that I, I think read in context, especially in the, the whole of Luke, that Jesus is speaking to his disciples right there. And he is, he's being tough with them. It, it, it makes me, you know, I live in Lexington uh, and our, you know, we love Kentucky basketball here. Mm. <laughs> this Hall of Fame coach, John Calipari, and he can get pretty hot on the side of the, you know, when he's on the side of the court. And I, sometimes I, when the, the cats have been really not doing well in the first half. 
I have sometimes imagined the locker room speech <laughs> just about scalding those kids, you know. Yeah. And there's a little feel of that yeah. in Jesus mm. right here. It's like he's just looking to his team. I've been coaching you. I've been teaching you. And you are not getting it. He just <laughs> lays into them. And uh, it, you know, what's one thing that's so interesting, if you take the whole of the Gospels, um, the, the, we never see the disciples praying. They're asked to pray. Mm. At Gethsemane, Jesus says, please pray. We don't ever, they sleep. We, and they're always missing mm. it. And Jesus is pretty much frustrated with yeah. them all the time. They're always missing it. Mm-hmm. And then we see these same men in the Acts of the Apostles. In every <laughs> chapter, you go through the Acts of the Apostles, I think in almost, every, maybe, maybe lacking one, every chapter includes an episode of prayer, some wow. kind of connection, some sort of experience of prayer. And we see the apostles bold, convinced, confident, articulate, commanding, sacrificial. It's such a change. Mm-hmm. And of course, they had seen the risen Lord and they had been filled with the Holy Spirit. But they had lit, they had moved into the life of prayer. Mm. And Jesus knew yeah. they would have to. He knew it's going to get so bad. You're going to be so pressed. Wow, yeah. Do you not see this yet? You know, he is, you know, when it comes to prayer, I think we just need to own Jesus is a tough coach and we need Mm -hmm. him to be. We need him to take us by the collar and shake us and, and just get us to the depths of prayer and to realize how important this is. And, you know, honestly, I would say this to anyone listening. The most important thing about you is your life of prayer because it is your direct connection to God. And out of the direct connection you have with God comes your wisdom and your love and your decision-making and your moral and ethical choices and your relational tenacity and your ability to forgive and anything you hope for that is of any lasting value in life. Mm. It is going to come out yeah. of the, the way in which the Spirit of God brings the Word of God to life in you. That is your direct connection. All of that gets worked out in the place of prayer. Mm. It is, And the most important thing you'll ever learn to do is to pray. Most important thing you'll ever learn to do. And so we just need Jesus to teach us and and to coach us and confront us and rattle us. And, you know, yeah, we need to be a we need to go into the depths of of intercession and travail. We need to be able to go into the ranges of deliverance ministry and casting out evil spirits. We need Mm -hmm. to be comfortable to move in the authority that we have against all evil. We need to have, we need to have cry out to God, God, I pray you would make these hands of mine into healing hands. We need healing in our churches. Mm. We need healing in our our kids and in our families. We need the full range of prayer. You know, the, the Holy Spirit has given so much to prayer. Wisdom, faith, knowledge, healing, revelation, tongues. He's given so much to assist in prayer. It's really the primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to assist prayer. And I believe that the posture that we need today is to say, I want all of it. 
Mm-hmm. I want any and everything yeah. that the Spirit of God would give to me to help me in prayer. Now, the Spirit's not going to give anybody every spiritual gift, but I think we're called on to eagerly desire all of them and to ask for them. And so that, I think, is what Jesus is getting at. Yeah. He's just saying, come on. That's right. Let's get after prayer together. I think we look at the cost mm. of discipleship, and I think for so many of us, that is what trips us up. We look at the cost, you know, but in the end, it's not until we have that deep encounter mm-hmm. uh, that it takes us past yeah. the thought of the it cost. Is, yeah, that's good. You know, I really believe that. You know, last week we were talking about uh, the woman who uh, had come into the Pharisee's house and washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair and then anointed them. We, we looked at her response and we looked at the Pharisee's response and here Jesus was in in the Pharisee's house, but it was the woman who had encountered Jesus. Mm. The Pharisee had him in his house, but he hadn't encountered him. That's good. So I wanted to just kind of hear from your heart. What was um, the, one of the deeper encounters or what was the encounter that you had uh, with Jesus that took you into this journey of leading people to mm. awakening? Wow. Ooh, that's a great question. There's so many that just flood my mind. Um, but I think the one that just comes to mind, you know, first of all is, um, my, is just, um, brokenness. Uh, I, I came into um, an, a real encounter with the presence of God, with the Holy Spirit, um, out of a place of just deep personal brokenness. I had, I had grown up um, in, a, uh, in a journey of life that led to me carrying a lot of shame and a lot of inferiority and insecurity. And I coped with that. I managed that primarily through achievement. You know, we all sort of um, compensate with what we, with whatever we can. Mine was through achievement, through leadership, through academic performance, these sorts of things. And and they became a drug to me. I was addicted to the feedback I had to have from impressing people. And so I, I lived off of that all my life, my high college years into my 20s and into my early 30s. So I come out of seminary and there I am, you know, I've graduated first in my class and I'm, you know, you know, all these grades and honors and awards. And and so and I'm appointed by our bishop to a small town in Kentucky. And I'm just thinking, well, aren't they blessed to get get this hot shot, you know. Here I go. I'm just so addicted to achievement. I don't even see reality. I don't see my brokenness anymore. And so I go there, and um, it was a place that people had not really wanted to be. It was a not many pastors had wanted to stay there very long. It was sort of a pass through until the one right before me he stayed quite a long time, and he did a good job. He built the place up, and they adored him. And so when I moved. They really did not want me. And I remember moving into that parsonage 
and people came in in tears carrying photo albums of this former pastor talking about where he had had his recliner in the house and oh remember doing this y'all remember the wonderful (laughs) times we had here they were just grieving wow and they were not in any way really interested in me it shook me and so i thought oh no worries i know what i do i'll just i'll just uh i'll achieve my way into their hearts but no matter what i did if it, they just, you know, they would say, well, he didn't, the former pastor didn't do it that way. <laughs> and, and there, and you know, it was no, there was no way to impress them. I was like mm-hmm. hitting against a wall. I could not get them to just really get, you know, couldn't win them over. And I know it sounds so simplistic, but it truly was the first time in which achievement was removed from me. And, and it was like the floor went out from under me mm. and I crashed and shattered in a big pile of shards. Wow. And day after day, I all I could do was just weep. And it was like, I would just cry out, God, I've given my life to you. Mm-hmm. And here I am in this little rusted up town of 600 with people. I'm single. There's no one but less than 70 in my churches. <laughs> stuck off in this corner of nowhere. And these people don't even want me. So this is what I get for following you like this? Mm. And I was so torn up. It really was a, a massive earthquake in identity and faith. And, and so I just remember many mornings, the tears would, would hit me before I could even get to the shower. Mm-hmm. And I would come to my breakfast table and try to eat a bowl of cereals and would stop with the tears dripping into that soggy cereal. And I, I would just just march around that house, just thundering at God, just torn up with him. And I stumbled my way into realizing that I was actually praying in a manner of prayer that was very similar to what I was reading in the Psalms. Mm-hmm. And then I started tracking it all through the Bible and began, I didn't know it then, but I was actually travailing in prayer. Mm-hmm. I was letting my prayer be emotionally honest unguarded, unedited, full-on, pressing, wrestling with God like I never had before. And in that brokenness and in that heart cry, the Spirit of God made Himself known to me. I encountered Him. I I encountered His love and power. And He filled me and, and began to change me and heal all of that brokenness and just take that pile of shards one by one, we would pick it up and the spirit would say, I don't think this one's the way I meant it to be. Yeah. It's not who I created you to be. We're going to need to work with that one. And little by little, wow. he reassembled my life from the inside out. And and so from that point on, I have just depended on him. And he has continued the healing work in me for the in, for all these decades since then. And so, yeah, you know, I am an utterly grace-dependent man. I'm a broken man who has been fathered by God and filled with his spirit and friended by Jesus. Outside of that, I don't have a hope in the world. Wow. (laughs) But uh, I do believe, Nathan and Krista, that uh, encounter, full-on, face-to-face encounter, being arrested face-on with the reality of Jesus— that is the beginning of every good thing. Wow. Amen. Yeah. David, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. You know, I think 
there are so many who really, really want that encounter, haven't had that encounter. And it's hard to put it, it's hard to put a finger on it. I mean, you, you really can't, yeah. you know, but I think there's, there's an encounter that people haven't had yet that really would take them into that utter dependence and beyond uh, self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. And we live in such a society where there is just, everything is so abundant. Mm-hmm. We don't truly know what it is to be destitute. And I think you see some of the places that we go on mission where people have encountered God because physically they have truly experienced a dire need, you know, just for food. Hmm. And yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on um, comparing where where we live versus something like a third world country and our response to God versus their response to God. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see a difference? Yeah. No, I appreciate it, Nathan. What you're getting after here is this, you know, we are, we are very affluent. And affluence is actually a tremendous blessing, but it also can be a tremendous impediment mm. to the work of God. Yeah. Because, you know, our, our personal resources, money and what we have, money is the greatest, is the, is, holds the greatest potential for being a God substitute. This is why Jesus mm. spoke constantly about money as in, in terms of warning. It's always warning. Mm-hmm. The parables is teaching, um, not money itself, but the love of money. And in that we... Are, can be very tempted to trust in ourselves, to just um, kind of count what we have and see that as the answer and the sufficiency. Yeah. And um, you're pointing to these these parts of the world where we go on these mission trips and we see the vitality of the faith there because they know they have to have God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They live under a kind of circumstantial desperation due to their economic limitations uh, or to persecution or whatever it is. We don't experience that. So what we have to, what we have to confront, I believe as Western Christians is a chosen desperation. Mm. It is a, it's a posture of heart that we exert our wills to have. You know, this is Wesley when he talked about that the Methodists were no more or less than those who were choosing to flee the wrath to come. It's like we just remind ourselves, you know, we really are desperate. Outside of the work of God, the grace of God, we actually really are desperate. We may not feel it. Here we sit in climate-controlled settings, you know, full bellies, comfortable clothes, no threats, we don't feel it, but the reality is we are. Yeah. That's why one of, the th- one of the best things I think that we can do as Western Christians to take up the posture of prayer that God looks for as, a, as the pr- preparation for his greater work is fasting. Hmm. Because fasting really is the sacrament of desperation. It, it's, this, it's this chosen, willful posture of moving uh, into a, a place 
where we're just declaring, my God is not my stomach. Mm. That the way I feel in my body right now, hungry, that is actually the deep posture of my entire being. I just let my body pray for me. I let my body communicate to my spirit. Uh, this is reality. I am hungry for God. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's like our our heart follows our treasure. It's like if you give money to something, you're going to be interested in it. Your heart follows your treasure. Yeah. Well, the same is true in prayer, that where your body is, there your spirit will be also. So it's less likely we will pray casually if we're on our knees, if we are on our faces, and much more true if we are fasting. Our spirit will follow our fasting body. And this is, to me, just almost a necessity for us as Western Christians. We, we just have to fast. Yeah. I mean, I, otherwise, we're just going to be, we're going to live these satiated, satisfied, self-sufficient, self-trusting lives. And our prayers will just really never actually be filled with faith and filled with earnest heart cry, which is the kind of praying, the only kind of praying we see in the Bible. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we, we face a challenge, but I think we, we're realizing it. And we're trying to grow in the kind of praying that we know that the hour of our of our life, this this cultural moment is calling for is mm-hmm. that that kind of praying. Yeah. Yeah. David, where are you seeing um, maybe I mean, not even necessarily geographically, but maybe in generations or different different groups of people, where are you seeing glimmers of hope that some that there are some people that maybe even in the Western, the Western church, like, do you see people getting it? Um, and, and who are those people and, and what lessons can we learn from them uh, in terms of what they're pursuing and what they're going after all of this? I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, but I was just wondering if you're with all your work with, with New Room and Seedbed and you're traveling and engaging with so many um, in the, the great big C church, uh, are you seeing these glimmers of hope that there, there are some people in fact getting this, so mm-hmm. to speak? I, I am, Chris. I Oh, a couple of things I would say to that. I Churches like y'all's, mm. I think that there is an increase of prayer in our day. Yeah. People are sensing um, that nothing's going to happen until prayer happens. That's right. And so I've got to make a move. Yeah. I've got to get, I've got to get more serious mm-hmm. and I've got to get more, uh, just get down. Get, just get down to the humble place. And so I, I observe that in our city. I see that in lots of pockets and places all around the, the, the country and, and here in Lexington. Honestly, I'm also very encouraged by what I am observing uh, among emerging adults. Yeah. You know, it, I just sense um, around emerging adults, they've like I said, they've come of age on the smartphone. They've been way over-marketed, way oversold. Yeah. Uh, they've lived through uh, so much turmoil and disappointment. They've seen so many leadership implosions that they're just at this point uh, with the church. Listen, give me the real or I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> they have a kind of pr- laser-like penetration into uh, church life now. And uh, they are travailing in prayer. 
Yeah. You know, I don't know an emerging adult who's really after Jesus who prays casually. Yeah. <laughs> they just cry out, you know, and it's what we've found around New Room and an awakening project. This we just sort of gathered college students, recent grads and those who love them into a fellowship. And we call it awakening project. And they're just starting to find one another and gain deep trust and momentum and collaboration together. And it's really been remarkable. But, you know, they find themselves walking across their campuses and they're just heartbroken over their friends yeah. and they're praying for them and they're crying in the shower and they're thinking, am I losing my mind? Mm. And in reality, we're just saying, oh, no, you're actually in the finest of company. You're in the <laughs> you're praying the prayer of scripture. You're praying the prayer of awakening. So good. And so come on, bring it. Yeah. And, you know, when we talk about banding, which is something we, we really believe is a, a genome of awakening, this these contexts of deep, trusted, safe, empathic, honest friendship strong enough that the Holy Spirit can work in it. That level of, of vulnerability and love. Um, you know, uh, emerging adults, they're done with image management and all the, mm-hmm. the likes and quanti- you know, numbers of social media. They realize I, I, I'm connected to hundreds of people and I'm so lonely. They're in well, they love the invitation. Why don't you come into an approach to relationship that is deep and real? So even banding seems to have traction with them. Yeah. The, 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 the realities, the ideas, the kind of the, the, the approach to awakening that we're lifting up just seems almost instinctually to make sense to emerging adults. They don't even have to. It's like, of course, you know, they don't have to be explained it or, uh, it, it's, you know, kind of motivated toward it. It's exactly where they're moving. So. I, I see a lot of really encouraging signs in churches that are really doing, you know, making bold moves around prayer and, and banding and uh, in spiritual life and growth and healing and especially among the young. That's so encouraging. I appreciate you sharing that. I think we're seeing glimpses of that, too. You are. I'm so glad you brought up banding. It's so important. Yeah. David, thank you for your time today. Thank you for all that you've yes. shared. And my goodness, thank you for the amazing weekend that you spent with us as well That at Activate. We are just mm. so incredibly grateful to you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Such a joy. Our church is really blessed and has been so blessed to have you uh, with us and to, to be in relationship with you. And we obviously know that that has come out of the relationship that you have uh, with Tommy and and we are just really grateful. Um, David, I really appreciate your your heart for prayer. Um, and I know that we go through seasons of that. Um, and I just want to ask you if you would uh, if you would pray us out of this podcast, you know, what is God putting on your heart uh, to pray in, in the season that you're in? Mm. Yeah, I would love to pray for you, Nathan. Let's just do that. Let's bow our hearts mm. together. Thank you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for this conversation, for these wonderful friends, and for the chance we've had to just to kind of spread out and look at and think about um, the great needs of our day and, and the great promises we lay a fresh claim to today and in your, your, your work. Lord, we, we thank you that you, you never desire to just sort of trash your creation, to just sort of be done with it and move on. 
you're always desiring to renew, to refresh, to awaken, to quicken, to resurrect. And uh, Lord, we just confess to you, we desperately need that work. Mm-hmm. We ask today, so simply, come Holy Spirit, give us a great awakening. Pour out your love and power in our day. We, we are like sheep without a shepherd unless you do this. We must have your help. We, we cling to you and look to you and place our entire trust in you. Lord, I pray especially for Asbury Church. I thank you for this church, Lord, who, who has placed a heart for awakening uh, right in the center of who, what they're about, Lord, just that they would be a church that is an answer to the prayer you taught us, that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. That's awakening. We just we desire, Lord, to be an answer to your prayer. That's right. And so do whatever you need to do. Remove anything from us. Add to us anything you know that we need. Discipline us. Bear down on us. Fill us with everything you have, Lord. We just invite and welcome you to handle us and make of us a vessel uh, for your spirit to come. I pray particularly, Lord, that you would, would pour out an increase of the spirit of prayer in Asbury Church. Lord, we need more prayer. And I pray that you would stir up intercessors and that you would call more and more people into their closets, that you would catalyze more and more communities of, of petition. I pray, Lord, for every gift in Pentecost to be poured out in Asbury Church, mm-hmm. every way in which you would wish and choose to, to support and assist in prayer. Lord, we pray for that, for the staff team, God, for every uh, leadership team, for for every age group, for for the choir, ministry, and worship teams, whatever, Lord, every dimension of ministry, Lord, that every team, every group, every class would be a house of prayer. Yes. And um, we believe, Lord, these are the things you're helping us to do and become. So thank you for this time together. And we thank you, God, that you are a prayer-hearing God. And we once more thank you for the answers to these prayers which we believe are on the way Mm -hmm. in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, David, this has been so awesome. Thank you all. This has been so fun. Yeah. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, David. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. We'll stay in touch and we will see you soon. Yes. I look forward to that. Bye David. Bless you all. Bye-bye. Wow. All I can say is what a gift. My thanks again to David Thomas and Chris Aletson, please check out seedbed.com as well as the New Room Conference at newroomconference.com. I know we will be back there again this coming September 20th through 22nd, but if you go there now, you can register to be a part of their free online Ash Wednesday experience called A Night with New Room. Of course, that's Wednesday, February 22nd from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Again, that's newroomconference.com. David, our blessings to you and blessings on your family and special blessings on Luke and Adelaide's engagement. Congratulations on that. We pray God's best for them. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, if you have any thoughts or questions for us, please send those in to podcast at weareasbury.com. We would love to hear from you, and we'd love to have you join the conversation. 
Please join us for Asbury's Mobile Worship Experience on Sundays at 9 a.m. Central. You can find that at our website, weareasbury.com, and click the Mobile Worship button. If you'd like to support our ministry financially, you can do that through the We Are Asbury app. Remember, depending on where you get your podcast, give us a like, a follow, a rating, a review, and that will really help us grow our reach. Please share our podcast with a friend or family member so you too can start a conversation with those in your circle. Thanks again for being a part of this journey with us as we live real life with each other, full life with God, and kingdom life on earth. See you next time.